Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hindsight, a nostalgia podcast. My name is Ian, and I'm joined, as always, by the original cake eater, Wes. Wes, how are you today? I'm eating some cake. Serious cake. I'm doing really well. I had cake for breakfast, in fact. Mm. Oh, you got me drooling over here. Well, cranberry walnut cake. It's one of those grown-up cakes, but it's really good. It's one of those where you start with a thin slice, and then you eat another thin slice, and before you know it, you've had half the cake. That's, That's what I do. Now, I got to say, right now, I, I kind of feel like a, a broken man. Not only, Wes, is the world on fire, but my wife is on vacation visiting family, and I'm, I'm home alone with my two kids. I'm eating like a pig, ordering in every night. Yesterday for breakfast, uh, I bought these cinnamon rolls from, uh, mm. from, from Safeway, unsafe Safeway. And uh, just kind of uh, have been overindulging you substantially. Know th- this makes me think that we should have perhaps watched the movie Mr. Mom, because I think that would have been more apt, but uh, we'll have to save that for another time. Well, today we're, we're talking about, you know, one of my favorite movies ever made, The Mighty Ducks hmm. from 1992. Yeah. See, when I was a kid, hockey was all important to me, and to have this movie... I don't even know how to put it. It was almost a fantasy, right? To see these kids that were my age winning a championship. And, you know, there's a couple of scenes in the movie that I just drooled over and wished that my parents were rich so they could afford 15 grand of hockey gear for me. (laughs) Dare to dream. Right. (laughs) Uh, But it was so much fun. I watched this movie on repeat as a kid. VHS just over and over and over. Now, what year was this? This was 92? came out in 92. Okay. I don't remember when we got the the actual VHS of the movie. Did you see this at the theater? I don't think I did. Ah. It's possible, but if I did, it must have been a terrible experience, and I blocked it from my mind. I doubt that. You probably didn't see it. (laughs) Probably not. Leave it to you, though, to catastrophize. It was a terrible experience, I'm sure. So what about you? Well, what's your memory of, of Mighty Ducks? When did you see it for the first time? Yes, last week. For the first time? For the first time, yeah. Oh. I, well, and, he, and here's why. I mean, there's a couple of things. One, I'm slightly older than you, so by the time this movie rolled out, it was a kid's film. I was sure. 20. So I'm not going to, you know, I didn't have any kids at the time, so I'm not going to a kid's movie, you know. And this is something that's really odd about me. I am not inclined to want to see sports-themed movies. But every time I see one, I love it, if that makes any sense. I enjoy the, I enjoy them all the time, from Rudy to, um, you know, I enjoy this one for the same reason. Um, it's all, especially the team sport kind of things. It's, the, you know, the underdogs who come from nowhere, and you just enjoy seeing that. And even though you see it in almost every sports-themed film, it still makes you feel good. And so I, I found myself enjoying this movie. You can watch a movie like Air Bud, and the coach argues, where in the rule book does it say that a dog can't play basketball? <laughs> and you're just like, that's probably a valid point. Okay, right? that's, that's another, uh, <laughs> I, again, you're reinforcing my reason why I don't watch oh, sports-themed. Okay. Or I'm not a huge fan of animal-themed movies either. So there you go. <laughs> you just killed two with one bird. I'm- I just want to say, I've never actually seen Air Bud, and I don't know if he plays basketball or football, or if there's a whole franchise. I don't think 
there's any dog playing hockey movies. I, I could be wrong. Ice Bud. Is that a thing? I don't know. That sounds I'm like a beer. It, out there. it sounds like it should have been. Yeah. Anyways, back to the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, talking about it and watching it again, I, I haven't seen it probably in six months. So wow. I, you, you talk about you know watching these movies and you know you try to avoid sports movies and our age difference. And, you know I enjoy this movie still. Yeah. And when I watch it though. It doesn't hit me in the kind of nostalgia feelers. It just hits me as an excellent movie. I don't know what it is about this movie because it's uh, it's cheesy, it's silly, it's got the schlockiest romance between Gordon Bombay and and Charlie's mom. Just so cheesy. And you know what's funny? What was Charlie's mom's name? Oh. Red Hat. We'll just call her Red Hat. I don't even remember. I looked it up, and I can't remember what the character's name is. I only remember the the actress's first name is Heidi. So, yeah, I, I don't know. She wasn't that strong of a character. There wasn't a lot of consistency in her character. It's you know earlier in the day she's watching this coach teach her son how to cheat, and at the end of the day she's inviting him in for dinner. Yeah, the, the, because times. he said sorry. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. How many, that takes a lot. How many people do you know are so easy with a sorry? Not a lot. No, no. But Gordon Bombay. Let's talk about Gordon Bombay for a second. Yeah. He's this guy. He says he hates kids and he hates hockey. We come to find out, you know, that's not, not the case at all. He actually loves kids a lot. And he, you know, you see in the beginning, he, you know, has this penalty shot. He's, you know, hooked from behind. He's tripped on a breakaway. And in hockey, when that happens, you get a penalty shot. And he he knocks the puck off the post. You just what you it. just spoke just now was complete Greek to me. <laughs> I get it. Hockey I, is my favorite sport. I I can't say that enough. It it's a pure sport. It's a fast sport, and it's far more violent than it gets credit for. Everyone talks <laughs> everyone talks about football, but really, folks, it's it's hockey. Yeah. Hockey is vicious. Well, it's it's like this: football ruins your brain. Hockey ruins your face. That is true. Yeah. That is true. You can always tell who's had a a successful career in the NHL based on how scarred up their face is and how many teeth they've lost. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So penalty shot off the post. Uh, Coach Riley is just like, oh, what's wrong with you? You blew it. You blew it. But I've got to tell you something. I think that the Hawks were the superior team throughout all this. They were better coached. They were more disciplined. They were more talented. I, as a kid, I wanted to be on the Hawks, not on the Ducks. Well, of course not. Yeah, the, the Hawks, I know they're supposed to be the bad guys. Their logo has the, the red eyes. But there is something about that team <laughs> that I wanted to be a part of. I, I didn't, it's hard to, view, maybe it's because it's kids. You know, especially now as an adult looking at it, it's like, the kids can't be the bad guys. Yeah. You know, it's like, what did you do? My job. When he takes out banks, yeah. Right? So, so that kid's kind of a jerk. But again, he's just a kid. He's just but a you, kid. And, and you hit on something that's interesting. This movie didn't villainize the Hawks, right? I mean, it, there was a couple of kids that bullied early in the movie, right? When sure. they're outside, but it was rather innocent kid stuff, and they did a good job of not turning them into these one-dimensional villains 
unfortunately it was it was they just didn't develop that the the characters on the other side right it was all about the ducks and i get it but they didn't villainize them but they also kind of just stayed away from them they they did kind of put in that you know the the hawks are a rich team yeah and the mighty ducks being district five team in the, the beginning of the movie yeah uh don't have any money so it's like the rich against the poor yeah and that dynamic was was interesting now, as a kid you know I don't come from money and being a, a kid that wanted to play hockey and play goalie and hockey in California. Right. In California. So we're talking in line in the street is, is the way we, we played. Yeah. I still wore skates, but ice skating and inline skating are very different things. This yes. movie makes it look like they're one and the same. They are not. No. <laughs> Anyone who's ever tried that knows. Um, but yeah, so the, these kids have the money, all the, the high tech or, uh, equipment, the, these nice face masks and, and bower skates and, and just the, the whole nine. And as a kid, I didn't have any of that. Yeah. You know, I had secondhand pads. Uh, skates are just absurdly expensive. When I wanted skates, the big brands to have were Bauer and Rosie's. To get a pair of these skates would have been like a status symbol. Next door... There was a, an old couple, and their grandson would come over on the weekends. His name was Nick. And Nick and I would play hockey together, and Nick was a rich kid. Oh, yes. So he always had the, the best equipment. Finally, one year, my dad bought me these, uh, these Bauer skates, but they had the brake attached to them, and it couldn't be taken off. And if you're a kid playing hockey, you get no cred if you've got a brake on your skates loser yeah yeah you were a loser and and so I, I remember this big deal where i went over to to nick's house like his actual mom and dad's house and we went around and gathered up all his friends you know we're going door to door and he's like oh ian's got the the new bowers and then everyone's out there and they look at my skates and it's like i got brakes on them i just it's like training wheels huh i felt like i got picked up by the short bus right <laughs> <laughs> start licking some windows yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i i remember that very vividly now, in the Mighty Ducks, when the team finally gets uh, funding from, from Duckworth and, and they go into Hans's uh, sports pavilion. Do you remember the name of, of the... No. It, it showed it on the, the outside briefly. But he's, did. he's got this, this big, elaborate sports emporium. And, and these kids go in there and they're just getting everything they want. And they're taking it up to the register, and, and Hans is ringing up item by item by item, and it, it's racking up like fifteen grand, I think, at one point yeah. we see. I just like, oh man, what would that be like? What would that be like? I never had fantasies as a kid of of going through like Toys R Us, you know, because they would have competitions. I remember as a kid where it's like you get five minutes in Toys R Us, and everything you can fit in the cart and get back to the line is yours. That would be more me. Yeah, that was more me. Now, this was my speed. I wanted all that stuff. Now, playing hockey in the street and having the cheap pads, I didn't even have a complete set of pads. I didn't have the right pads to play goalie. Like, there's chest protectors that, that come down your arms and protect you from the puck or, or balls if you're playing in the street. I didn't have any of that. You know, I had um, just, <laughs> I can't, just the cheapest of the cheap, Wes, the cheapest of the cheap out there playing. And, and so watching this, just that that was like a, a fantasy to me being like I could imagine that yeah if that's if that's where where your heart is and being able to you know go and shop where money is 
no option. Well, as a kid, too. Yeah, as a yeah. kid. Because uh, in, let's see, in, in Mighty Ducks, Goldberg is is their lovable goalie. Fat Goldberg, who, who can't really talk much without first saying that his family's moving the, back to Philadelphia. They're moving back to Philly. He, he tells us that like 10 times in the yeah. movie, which is fun. But he's out there in the beginning of this movie with uh, magazines and newspapers taped to his shins in, in lieu of his, his Did leg Did you do guards. that? No, no, no. Now, I, I had leg pads, but <laughs> they were uh, like foam. And then on the outside shell was uh, like hard plastic. So they were yeah. made right when street hockey was um, kind of beginning. Yeah. So I, I remember that because there was a time when there was no street hockey and then there was street hockey and it has since seemed to have gone away. Yeah. We had the goals out in the street yelling car and having to move the, the goals. And, and you know, that, that, that memory, when I was a kid, it was baseball. We'd, we'd be out in the street playing you know, softball which was probably not smart because there were houses with windows out all over yes. the place. <laughs> or we'd play football and, you know, hollering car and have to run <laughs> to the side of the street. And we'd re- reemerge. Yeah, so we used to do all that stuff too. But we it, the sport changed. I wonder what the sport is now. Oh, that's right. Cell phones. There's no sports on yeah, the, out in the street. Yeah, my kids never go outside. No. Not even like bike riding very much. N- nothing. There, there's yeah. no interest. But, you know, my generation is... I really think the the last generation to come up without the internet and yeah, I mean the internet wasn't really a thing until my what mid to late teens I I, I think I mean it existed but you know it was dial up and I don't remember it being as big a part. There are no smartphones no so not a, not a big part of of my well, youth. When you were a kid, smart uh, cell phones. The goal was to get them smaller. And smaller and right. thinner and thinner. And then all of a sudden, you know, the iPhone comes out and everything is now going to salad plates in your pocket. It so, is absurd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember the trend of, so my first cell phone was, uh, I don't know what model number, but a Nokia, mm-hmm. the kind you go to the mall and get new face plates for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I got that when I was 16 or 17. Yeah. But even then, it's like, oh, what, what do you do with this? So you call people. Or you can send a text, but it's a big pain in the butt. It was grueling. Right. Um, or you could play Snake on it. But that was it. Oh, Snake. <laughs> I forgot Snake. Some of the guys I went to school with were good at Snake. And I, I just couldn't I couldn't do it. That, that game just uh, it melts my brain a little bit. Yeah, isn't it funny to be good at something that was obsolete in a hot minute? Wow. Uh, Put that on your resume. Right. Like that really uh, it is... Uh, I don't know, a, a callback to high school for me was the memories of, of the cell phones and yeah. everyone ha- kind of displaying a little bit of individuality by having their different face plates and different ringtones, which were still, I mean, just a, it sounded like an 8-bit yeah. song, but is an 8-bit song that was, you know, the thong song maybe? Just that. <laughs> <laughs> thong, da, thong, thong, thong. Right, that, that was big and uh, it wasn't me oh, what was big. Uh, do you remember that one? No. It wasn't me. You know, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there you go. I, I told you the, st- <laughs> the name of the song, and then I just say it again in that, that time. You added a little I, bit of... You, well, mm. A little lilt. You, 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 <laughs> that is the closest we are going to ever get to you singing. And for those yes. of you who have uh, carelessly wandered onto our podcast, you will appreciate that. I am an excellent singer. Yes. In the shower... 
<laughs> where everyone else is gone. Yes, yes. My wife says I sing beautifully. Mm-hmm. Oh. Your wife also says you're the prettiest. What's your point? So back to 1992's <laughs> Mighty Ducks. <laughs> so this is, you know, this is our first real episode of this show. You know, th- this is episode one of of hindsight and nostalgia podcast, and uh, it can only go up from here. We can only get better, right? From, yeah, we can from only here, get or is it, yeah. it going to get worse? Well, there's a good chance of that, knowing us. <laughs> yeah, there's a good chance. As we get more comfortable uh, sitting here with the, the microphones, this becomes more and more just like a, a regular conversation that we we have. And and that's what I'm hoping that it that it is because I think we're rather fabulous and, and rather <laughs> funny. We'll get funnier, trust me. I, I I'm sitting here with uh, headgear on. I haven't worn headgear since I was you know 12, and. Uh, once we get used to it, it'll, it'll get a lot more. It'll go swimmingly. Now, when you swimmingly. say headgear, you're referring to the headphones and not not the braces that you had as a child. Yeah. Well, yeah. for lack of a better term, headphones, <laughs> headgear, it feels the same. <laughs> well, that was the fear when I had braces. or Before I got braces, like, oh, are my teeth bad enough where I have to have headgear? Did you? No, I did not. Oh. No, I did not. And I guess it's not really a thing anymore. Oh, it's not? Yeah, my 13-year-old has braces, and his teeth were, were pretty rough. Um, no headgear. No no headgear. Oh, man. I know. I was kind of looking forward to that. Well, we keep warning him that, you know, if he kisses a girl with braces on, they might get locked. He has to find a girl first. Yeah, That's... good luck with that. Yeah. Mighty Ducks, 1992. <laughs> I want to talk about 1992 real quick. Okay. It's a very interesting year uh, for hockey being a hockey movie we, we just have to touch on this so 1991 is the year the san jose sharks came into the nhl okay yeah now in the mighty ducks we do see in the beginning of the movie i believe it's aberman is wearing a uh, a sharks sweatshirt i noted that i noticed that and i thought were the sharks that old now this was yeah. big for me i i was not really a sharks fan they were just the local team mm-hmm. right? they're the closest team so when we go watch hockey we'd see the sharks but they were not very good and it was cool to see something local like a real local thing that i was familiar with as a kid in a movie that was just so neat for me right we also see the minnesota uh, north stars and uh, a couple of the players actually we see uh mike madano and is that mccray was the the other player? Madonna was was a, a real solid player. He had an excellent career, and I don't remember the the other player very yeah, much. Yeah, I, I looked them up, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But so 1992, I believe, was the last year that that was a team because the North Stars moved to Dallas and became the Dallas Stars. Oh, okay. So so this movie occupies a space. So it's it's one year after the Sharks become a team and one year before the North Stars don't exist as a team. That's interesting, yeah. And that's just a, a really unique time. I followed hockey so closely as a kid, and I followed uh, the players more than I followed teams. Fair enough. So whatever yeah. player, like uh, Eddie Belfour was a goalie, and he was my favorite player. And he had a, a brief, brief stint with the Sharks, like not even a full season. And uh, he ended up, oddly enough, on the uh, Dallas Stars. Um, but he was, he made his name in, in Chicago with the Blackhawks. Uh, that's where he, 
he really kind of grew to, you know, be known as, as one of the best players in the league. Eddie the Eagle was his nickname. Guy was a brick wall. He was just the best. And, and what so, happened to Eddie? Do you know? He retired. He retired and everything is good? I, I, I'm yeah, not familiar I'm, with him. The last I saw, like, he was doing... Um, so he, he retired, I think, out of Toronto. The last time I really followed him was he was with the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And this was after I was no longer kind of following hockey. Oh, okay. And then yeah. I looked him up rather recently, and I think he was doing, like, comment commentary or, or something like sure. that up in Canada. That makes sense, yeah. But it, it was just neat to see that those teams represented in that way. It's a, really a, a moment in time. Professional sports teams are always shifting and, and always moving new places. And when it happens, it seems like a big deal. And then when you look back on it, you see that teams are always moving and always shifting around and logos are always changing. But to have like a, a time stamp on it, like this, this represents my youth in a big way. Just that the, the the era, what the teams are, and, and what's happening in sports. Okay, so question. How yeah. many times have you seen the Mighty Ducks? I don't know, but I would be surprised if it was less than 50. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I, I recently kind of had a realization that, you know, you say you've seen a movie 100 times. Usually it's not true. Oh, no, no, no. I've seen Clash of the Titans at least 300 times. Oh, back to that. I wasn't I wasn't calling you out. You have not seen it 300 times. I promise you that. I promise you. Because I I could say I've seen Star Wars a thousand times. No, no. 500 times. No. Realistically, probably 30 times. Well, I figure I had a little brother. So we used to watch these movies two and three times a day. So did I sit there wrapped? No. But. Three times a day for about four summers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That it was that one. Yeah, we got some others. It was. I, I didn't realize that 1981 was such a pivotal year for me in watching movies at home. <laughs> well, maybe I've that's seen it. Mighty Ducks more. You've probably seen it more. But see, if I if it was up to me, I'd see it once or twice. I also watch movies very half-assedly. So if it's at home, I'm reading something. I, I, before cell phones, I was flipping through a magazine, reading a newspaper, watching a movie. So I could watch a movie dozens of times and still barely get the gist of the film. See, Mighty Ducks is a movie that just demands attention, though. There, there is so <laughs> much greatness in this movie. These, this, this cast of kids mm-hmm. is excellent. With Charlie being like the the leader and and tripping over his own skates, but he's you know he's the noble one in the group mm-hmm. and. Then you got the uh, here, gully, gully, gully. You know, Aberman always cracking jokes and yeah. you know acting like he doesn't even know where he is. Well, and- you know, when I first watched this, I'm looking at Charlie, thinking he looks so familiar. Why do I know this person? But when I looked it up, and it's Joshua Jackson from um, Teen Drama. I can't remember the drama. Uh, Dawson's Creek. He looks so different now. Like I guess we all do. He didn't look. Like the same, you know, there's just enough similarity that I went, I've seen him before. So it's always interesting to see these kid actors who go on to be, maybe make it, most of them don't, but to see them grow up and do something else. And that's it's kind of an interesting observation is he looked like a kid, but you could still see Joshua Jackson in there. And then you look at him in the teen drama and he looked different. It was like five years and he looked drastically different. So it's, it's interesting. Charlie to me. Yeah. When I see it, it's always Charlie. I, yeah. I don't know anything else he's ever been in other than the other Mighty Ducks movies. 
I mean, and we're going to have to save those for another time because I got to tell you, as great as Mighty Ducks is, D2 is pretty close to it. I love D2 as well. D3 kind of falls apart. We're going to have to talk about the Mighty Ducks too when the time comes. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I've been kind of hogging the mic here. I, I want to hear your thoughts. Tell, tell me what, being a first-time viewer, what, what your impressions were of, of the best movie ever made. Well, well <laughs> we'll talk about that one for another, at another time. But, um, you know, it's, again, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, I enjoy sports-themed movies when I watch them. I just never look forward to them for all those technical reasons, you know, the the, the specifics about the game, the, the rules of the game. I don't watch them for those things, and I don't notice those things. But I did notice that the era, the, the early 90s, was so well represented. You know, you had Emilio Estevez, who is, you know, he was a, a Brat Packer, so they, that's somebody I know. And it was filmed in this late 80s, early 90s kind of way where where there was still some sweetness and it wasn't full of cynicism, where the good guys were good. Lane Smith, who played the coach, Coach Riley, is absolutely one of my favorites from that era. He was, if you'll remember, he was the, I think, the father in uh, Son-in-Law with Polly Shore. He was the attorney in uh, My Cousin Vinny with Joe Pesci. And he just was such a, I didn't realize how great a character actor Lane Smith was. I actually looked it up and he, he died in 2005 from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, five or seven. And, uh, just, I didn't, you know, it's what he's one of those actors where you go, I miss him because he always played such a great role in everything. He was cast. He was always kind of that likable villain, kind of that likable jerk. You never knew if he was being straight up or, or he was screwing you over, and he's pretty consistent here. I mean, it's it's obviously his shtick, but he does it very, very well. And again, I like the the wholesomeness of the film because we don't see wholesomeness is something that we don't appreciate anymore. We find it trite or or unrealistic, but I find it charming, and I enjoyed this film for all of those elements. The kids were definitely, you know, lower down the socioeconomic rung but they were still good kids and they portrayed them that way you know i look back to uh the original kid sports movie the bad news bears which if you watch that today it is i find it rather vulgar for kids it was difficult to watch with walter Matthau. it was really a hard film for me to get through and to to enjoy the way i enjoyed the mighty ducks and that's probably why i had some hesitation coming to this movie is because uh kid sports movie, I think of Bad News Bears, and this was so much more charming, so much more enjoyable. It's something that that I know, I know my kids had watched it. I probably, you know, they were a little bit younger than you, but it was definitely something that was still in their repertoire, I'm sure. But I enjoyed it just for that wholesomeness, for that, that traditional early 90s quality. You know, the mullets were everywhere. The mom jeans on people, the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the kinky curly slightly mall-esque hair on the women. It was those things that I noticed. Talking about the the wholesomeness of of this movie and, and the kids, you know, the lack of kind of profanity stands yeah. out. I appreciated it. I'm not a, I'm not a prude or a frump. It just has its place, and I think it's nice to 
see this film without all that stuff. Well, it straddles the line because they, they do fit in a couple of your mom jokes, which are a good time. It, it feels age appropriate. It really does. Mm-hmm. When you see a movie and the, the kids are all running around cursing and, and talking, you know, well above their their age bracket, mm-hmm. it doesn't sit right. Like, it's odd. But the, yeah. the way the kids behave in this was relatively similar to, I think, the way I behaved with my friends Yeah, when I was little. I, yeah. There, there was no cursing or, or anything really inappropriate. It was just kids being kids. Yeah. And that's what you see here. They're wrestling around and making fun of each other. And, you know, in the beginning, they have the, the dog uh, poop in the purse, and then they put a dollar bill in it. <laughs> I love this idea that there's this guy trolling the streets looking for abandoned purses with the money hanging out and how he's a bad guy for seeing money on the ground and picking it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't mug anybody, but <laughs> they're just like, oh, yeah, there's more inside. <laughs> I love it. And the, the purse flies out the window and the, the, the chase ensues. And it's just fun. Well, here, just here's my fun. question. One. Would I pull over for a purse with a dollar bill sticking out? <laughs> no. No, oh, I, I guess inflation, right? You know, yeah. maybe back then a dollar was worth more. 275 maybe? Yeah. Like, and, and, best case scenario. Yeah, and, and then question, would you then chase after kids who are laughing about the fact that you picked up some woman's purse with dog poop in it, right? Oh, it's just like what? Maybe it was the side of town they're on. I'm not but, familiar enough with Minnesota. But uh, <laughs> that... I just I like how the movie kind of starts off on on that note yeah. where it's these these kids they're they're good hearted but they're mischievous too mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot of fun. It's setting the tone for the kids. What kind of kids you're dealing with? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we also re- we remember when when Gordon pulls onto the ice for the first time in the limo. Yeah. And they're like, "Listen here, cake eater. You know this is a drug free zone or whatever, and <laughs> you know you're gonna have to go through me. You know, get out of here." <laughs> it's like. Maybe this is a rough neighborhood where, but also, would that be their first encounter with a drug dealer? Because I feel like you would only talk like that once to some like hardened gang member. Yeah, but a gang, hardened gang member in a limo. Yeah, it, it's like yeah, he'd been practicing that speech in front of a mirror for a while. Yeah. Like he was just waiting for the day. Well, um, and then and then would you use the epithet cake eater? Cake eater is one of the best insults ever. Yeah. I don't really know what it means or why it's hurtful because everyone eats cake. But if you're a cake eater, hmm. are, are you implying that you're fat? Because you use that. I mean, he he, <laughs> call, he calls Gordon a cake eater. Which would have been funny. What, I'm fat? Yeah. Do you think I'm fat? I wear my small pants. I mean, the, there is, you know, poor, you know, Goldberg struggles with weight. You know, but it's fine. He doesn't have to be a fast skater sitting in the net. But so he's fat and he's scared of pucks. Just one of the most lovable characters, I think, from from all of the the movies that I grew up with. I, I did enjoy his character. I like the. I'm going to jump ahead, but where they tied him to the goal. Yes. Oh, it's to a the classic net. scene. That is so funny. And they leave and they turn off the lights. Guys, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, actually, I found myself grimacing when they were hitting with the pucks. Oh, I really? Just imagine. Yes, I thought. Ah, oh, it looked painful. Well, see now. This is something when I was talking about earlier about not having the proper pads as a goalie. Yes, as a kid, being little and watching that, being like, what do you mean it doesn't hurt? What do you mean it tickles? I can tell you it hurts really bad. <laughs> like yeah. This is not, not realistic, but it's really I just didn't have the, the proper equipment Yeah. Um, as a kid. I, I did play hockey uh, just a couple more times uh, in early adulthood after I had a, 
you know, my own money and I could buy pads. And uh, yeah, turns out it doesn't really hurt that much <laughs> when, when you're, you're wearing the proper equipment. I could imagine <laughs> not. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that's a, a great scene. Goldberg, just what a, what a fun character. And to have a goalie scared of pucks, you have the, the leader of the team, the captain, Charlie, who's not a strong skater and he always biffs it. So we, we have all these characters we got and we pick up a figure skater along the way. There's really odd cast. And some of the moves they play, the the spin moves. And, and, oh, Fulton Reed. We haven't talked about him. The knuckle puck. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. The big guy. The slap shot. Knuckle pucks in D2. Oh. Yeah. But the, his slap shot, the one out of five, right? Yeah. One out of five uh, times it hits net. The idea that you know, this bruiser has all these rumors circulating around him, just swirling around, being like, oh, no, he has to play football. They won't let him play hockey. Hockey's too rough. Yeah. Remember, he, he might hurt himself. He's on full scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, people talk. <laughs> he's always around. And in the alley, just Gordon happens to be driving by, and Slapshot hits the the van or, or hits the, the limo, and – then when all the kids are on their shopping spree, just happens to be there. It's all fate. Fate it's just plays perfect. a mighty hand. This, this cast of, of characters is just so much fun. And then it all comes together, and they, they start their their stomping spree, if you will, against the, is it the Cardinals, I think. It was like the first team. Because they, they meet the Hawks, and the Hawks crush them. And then they finally kind of get their act together, and they start cruising through and moving up the bracket. It is... I, I love it, and I, I never picked up on it until this last time I watched it. This movie, in, in the, the world that the movie takes place in, has an awful large emphasis on local peewee hockey, <laughs> where there's newspapers, you know, Hans has this big, like, whiteboard tracking the teams yeah. and the whole districting, and yeah. this is just a small area in Minnesota, which no doubt has 50 other peewee hockey leagues. Right. But there is a publication. Your number one source of hockey news, I think, is what the headline on the publication says. It does, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're talking about 12-year-olds playing hockey. <laughs> hey, things are different in Minnesota. You know, you've got like nine months of winter. What are you going to do with your nine months? Peewee hockey, right? Oh, man. It is a childhood fantasy, right? As mm-hmm. a kid, you think that what you're doing is important. Yeah. You know, I, I played hockey on a league, and everything that I did with the team, everything from taking the team pictures to practice to playing the games is way bigger in your head than yeah. it is in reality. Yeah. You know, I, I could see that when uh, my oldest played basketball a handful of years ago. You know, just how big of a deal he thought, like, the, the games were. And he would take a shot. He'd always be super dramatic and fall backwards and then feign injuries and because it was like a big deal everything that's going on is big deal and the world is around him yeah and you feel that as a kid and then you see that in this movie and i think it's reflected it's it's magnified appropriately this sure. is the mind of a child yeah maybe so, that's maybe that's the, the well and that's the audience too you know the audience for this movie was kids well sure but and they did a great job of dialing that in for that's a kid exactly true that's yeah masterful Gordon and Charlie's mom. Charlie's mom. Not a song. No, Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom. Yeah, yeah. What is with this romance? It's it's unnecessary. I don't think it really adds anything. I think here here's what I think the the whole point of, of that is functionally. Now I'm I I can rationalize 
this from a film critic perspective, but I think functionally it is for bathroom breaks so that when mm. a kid has to go to the bathroom, it was, it's kind of like Arwen's character in, in uh, Lord of the Rings. You need those built-in bathroom breaks so that the target audience can go. That's me being ridiculous and facetious. The flip side of it is it's a, it's, it functions as the, the bow on the package. It kind of brings everything together, you know. Um, Gordon's character is alienated. He's focused on his job at the beginning of the film. And so you see him move towards this relationship with this woman who has a kid and these additional responsibilities that a man who's focused solely on his job just can't give. And so maybe, and, and I think that the fault is probably in the fact that when putting it in the film, you have two stories going on and you have to focus on one in your target audience. And that's going to be the ducks themselves. And so the relationship part is going to take a back seat. So it's got to be more hinted at. Um, it's got to be shallow. It's got to be very surface because the target audience is just not going to, to sit through that. But it's nice to see that addressed so that it fully incorporates what Gordon's going through. Does that make sense? A little bit. I, I think that it's probably used more as a device just to show his closeness with Charlie. And that's make that part of it too. Absolutely. Because we yeah. see them go to the diner and we see Charlie's mom there, but you know, and, and you know what it could be. Yeah. If, if in, in our cynical age, an adult male taking too much interest in an underage uh, boy, you know, right. So you got to have the romance there. So it makes it all neat and clean and makes more sense. When they go out on their, their date together, I think they, they're ice skating. Yeah. And she looks up at the, the side of the building. She's like, oh, when I was a kid, I always pretended that would my castle and that'd be my bedroom. And he's like, well, what about me? Where's my room? Where's my window? It's like, who wrote this? I know. This, is, this movie was perfection. Absolute cinematic perfection up to this point. And you hit that line. And every <laughs> time I cringe. I cringe. Well, it, it is, I, you know, and you're right there. When he does do that line, I'm like, boy, you're a pushy dude, aren't you? Yeah, it's just moving a little fast. This they had to move it one. quickly. They had to move <laughs> it quickly because they only had so many minutes in the film to devote to romance. And so they had to pack it all in rather inappropriately, a little cheesily. She yeah. dramatically turns away and he's like, whoa, what did I say? What did I say? Yeah. You know, but it gave her a chance to really tell him, you know, well, Charlie, like, he loves you. Like, this, this kid really looks up to you, which is impressive because so far he's taught Charlie how to cheat, how to take falls. Um, you know, he's quit on the team. Like, he's just – he's been a horrible coach. And just a couple of games into him having this complete, like, change of character and change of heart, all of a sudden Charlie loves him. Yeah. What's this kid been through, man? <laughs> this There's a story there. Yeah. There is a story there. It's a shame that it's – it's to me that it's Charlie because I think – all the other kids are, are far more fascinating and, and interesting characters than, mm. than Charlie is. Charlie's very kind of just two-dimensional to me. So, you know, it's interesting. Before we move on from Charlie, I was reading that originally they had wanted Jake Gyllenhaal for the oh, role. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was originally the, the, the actor they wanted to play Charlie. And for some reason or another, Jake Gyllenhaal wouldn't take, didn't take the role. I thought that was kind of interesting. And, you know, he's a kid actor. What are you doing? I would think that they'd be taking every role that's thrown at them, but apparently not. What do I know? I never. So you hear this a lot, 
especially like around Indiana Jones or Star Wars, it's like, oh, Tom Selleck was almost Indiana Jones. It's like, well, that wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be right. Every time I hear a different actor was going to play a role, I can never really imagine it. It only feels right because we've seen these properties, you know, a thousand times. It's hard to envision it being any other way. Does that make sense? Like, I can't picture Jake Gyllenhaal as Charlie like that. They dodged a bullet there. Right, the, the in my mind, but you know, opposite world, yeah, bizarro world. I no, I I I don't have a difficult time with that, but I understand how some people do. But I, I but maybe I've spent too much time thinking about that because, yeah, I, I you you mentioned Tom Selleck as as Indiana Jones, and I'm replacing him in the scenes in my head, and I go, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it feels good. I could do that too. It's interesting. It just doesn't fit, it, but. But I, but like you said, Charlie's a two-dimensional character, so I think it's kind of plug and play, you know. So I could see Jake Gyllenhaal do it just fine. Would yeah, yeah, I, I suppose. Again, it's just harder for me because I've seen this movie so many times. Now let's play the game. Picture Emilio's brother Charlie Sheen in the role of Gordon. Can you do it? This would be an R-rated film. Well, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> that white stuff in the corner isn't snow. <laughs> Oh, geez. No, there's something about Emilio Estevez I, I really like. He's a very warm person, uh, or appears so on screen. Isn't that funny? That I, I've always liked him in all of his roles. I've, I've always found him kind of a nice guy. And uh, he just comes off as a nice guy. And that's part of where the, the Gordon Bombay character was a little off, because at the beginning, he just seemed to have a little smile in his eye, you know, he just doesn't come off as that aggressive jerk. He comes off as the nice guy. And so he sits, he he grows into a character that you already see, because that's just how Emilio Estevez comes off. Yeah, the, the DUI in the beginning doesn't seem to fit. Like, it's, it's simply just a plot device. It doesn't fit with yeah. his character, who he is in the beginning of the movie or at the end of the movie. Yeah. He, he's a motivated lawyer, very yeah. intelligent lawyer. I mean, he... He's calling the judge out on things, and the judge is like, "Oh, oh, like you got me there." So this is a this is a one smart cookie. Yeah, he's got his act together, and then he's just drinking and throwing beer bottles in his back seat. Yeah, plot device exactly. It's it's, it's ridiculous. I know so many of of this or so much of this movie by heart, and just the <laughs> lines. I sat there and watched it a few days ago now, and and stuff was. My wife was watching it with me, and I did you ruin it for her? Oh, she's every seen line? it a thousand times, okay. too. Okay. I've, again, I said it's been six months since I've seen it. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. No, it's one of the best. Oh, <laughs> You're lining up for quotes. You're like, <laughs> no, hold on, no, hold no, on. No. I'm, I'm thinking of quotes. Oh, dear God, make it stop. <laughs> no, I, I want to talk about Banks, the kid that was on the Hawks, and then he got brought over to mm -hmm. the Ducks because of uh, a districting error. Yeah. This is... It's a little bit, it was confusing to me as a kid. I didn't really understand. And then as an adult watching this, I don't understand why, like, Mr. Ducksworth acts the way he does. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, you, you gotta, gotta watch the movie before you, you listen to us chat about it because we just ruin everything. Yeah, we'll ruin it, but it's okay. So, you know, Mr. Duckworth is, is it Duckworth? Yeah. Ducksworth or Duckworth? I think it's Ducksworth. So, Mr. Ducksworth is Gordon's boss, and he gets put on 
you know, community service and has to take on a hockey team. And it's all because his boss knows the judge and the judge and him agree that they're going to drop the charges or, or whatever, reduce the, the charges if he does a plea deal and takes uh, community service, mm-hmm. I, I think is what goes on. Yep. And so, you know, Gordon gets the, the hockey team and they're broke. So he convinces Mr. Duckworth or Ducksworth um, to sponsor the team. And that's why they're the Ducks. Mr. Ducksworth gets his own jersey. Along the line, they find out that one of the players on the the big bad Hawks should be on the, the District 5 team, on the Ducks team. So they approach the the league or the the board, and and sure enough, so this kid comes over to join the Ducks. And he's excellent. Like, he's their number one player. Uh, Coach Riley talks about him. He's like, he's not as good as you, but he wants it more. Mm-hmm. Right, like th- this is like yeah. the the hot player. He's the one with the future. Mm-hmm. Just so happens he should have been a duck this whole time. So he comes over the ducks, and uh, his dad isn't having any of this. His dad is upset. Coach Riley is upset, and somehow they take it to Mister Ducksworth. Their their complaint, just the sponsor of the team. That's all this guy is. But they take this complaint to Mister Ducksworth. Isn't that odd? Well. Yes and no. You know, of course, this is 2021, and uh, the sponsors—you just attack the sponsors and get what you want. So, but they weren't attacking. Of, that's what they, well, that's what they do nowadays. They just right. go to the sponsor and say, "Pull their money." Yeah, yeah, no, don't if, support them. If somebody on the Toronto Maple Leaf says a bad word, I guess you try to boycott Molson's. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's not what's going on here. It's like he's friends. He's friends with these guys. Like they're all hanging out. He's like, "Oh, Gordon, come on, can't we come to an agreement here?" Mm-hmm. It's and like, then he fires him anyways. Right. It's like, like, are you willing to lose your job for a bunch of kids? It's like, you willing to fire me for a bunch of kids? Yeah. It's like, collect your things, Gordon. It was a, you know, you know, the thing about it is that it was an inconsistent moment in the, the, in the script, right? Because here he gives Gordon this opportunity, keeps him out of trouble, does something good for the community. And how to be a team player, how to be a team player, saves his job, the whole thing. And then Mr. Ducksworth, Duckworth backs out of all of that, fires him for wanting to make sure that his team is a good team and that, that the rule of law is applied. It's an inconsistent moment in the story. Again, a plot device that was needed, but it was one that just wasn't in keeping with the character that had been established earlier, but it wasn't like a, a, a moment where you went, oh my gosh, I never saw that coming. It was subtle, but it was also just, it just was, you know what I mean? Like, like, well, I think it was completely unnecessary. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So moving forward, Banks, you know, on the, on the ducks, you know, they have to face the Hawks for the championship game. And Banks's dad is sitting in the crowd wearing Hawks gear, rooting against this kid. Yeah. What kind of dad is this? Yeah. We just watched the movie and kind of accept it, but on my 372nd viewing of the movie, it's just like, this is not a good dad. No. He's not, maybe he's he's friends with Coach Riley, or there's a dynamic at play that we as the audience aren't, aren't really aware of, but it's odd that your team, or your son is on a different team, and you go <laughs> sit with his old team. It's yeah. so strange. It's not a good dad. Now, as the game kind of progresses, you know, the dad doesn't stand up and cheer when the, the Hawks, you know, score a goal. Or He's conflicted. He, he's conflicted. But then Coach Riley is just like, we got to take this kid out. I don't want Banks 
to come back into this game, take him out. And so he gets uh, cross-checked from behind and then slams into the goal and hurts his shoulder, I think. Yeah. And gets taken out on a, a stretcher. And that was like the moment where it was like all the ducks came together and like, he was one of us. <laughs> like, <laughs> we spilled blood together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's like, you take care of yourself, cake this eater. This is war. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden there's camaraderie and it lights a fire, you know, kind of under the ducks and, and they managed to to eke out a win thanks to uh, Charlie's goal, um, which is, you know, exactly what Gordon went through when he was a kid. Right. This movie kind of is just all about him not being Coach Riley. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Coach Riley is like, listen, kid, you got to hit this. Everything's riding on you. No pressure, though. But hit this. <laughs> no pressure. And then when he, he misses, you know, it's, you know, fast forward to adulthood. And he's like, you know. I like all these, you know, championship banners in here, except that one there. And it says, you know, second place. Rub it in your face. Right. Yeah. All these peewee hockey league or hockey teams have their own arenas, by the way. Did yeah. you notice that? I, it was pretty impressive. Minnesota's just a different world. Peewee hockey. What does it cost to be in a peewee hockey league? I don't know. Must cost millions of dollars. Yeah. Several <laughs> That's the only way they could have these, you know, even the Ducks, they have a rundown <laughs> rink. Uh, the District Five team, yeah. Well, I think wouldn't wouldn't you have your specific team playing at your specific rink? That wasn't my experience when wasn't? I played in the league. Oh, okay. No, we had one rink and we all played there. Yeah, and just the games were staggered. You know, now I have to use this as a moment to talk about my own hockey experience or lack thereof. Oh, so, please. So I uh, I liked the okay, I'm a Leo, so we Leos don't do team sports generally. We like it's all about us. So that made me gravitate towards. <laughs> figure skating because i liked i like the jumps and the you know the the sow cows and all that stuff triple axles triple axles and i liked being i never could do a triple axle but my brother was the hockey guy and i enjoyed watching it because he always got beat up and i wasn't allowed to beat him up anymore so i have a, a, a special love of hockey simply because it beat my brother up it was a great it was a great time so i just had to throw that in uh, on an aside, but that was the extent of my experience with hockey was watching him get beat up. Great love there. Wow. I know. Isn't that, that that's a heartwarming <laughs> moment for my childhood, but I had to throw it in here at that moment. Well, speaking of apparent inexperience in hockey, we know Gordon played as a kid. Yeah. But missing that goal when he was 12 had this big impact on him and he left hockey behind. Yeah. When the Ducks are kind of coming up and, you know, we're, we're going through the montage of them, you know, winning, winning, and they end up at the, the North Stars rink. Okay. And when they're there, they, they see Mike Madonna, right? And it's like, yeah. hey, you know, if, uh, if you ever want to try out for the, the minors, let me know. I can get you a tryout. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, at the end of the movie, Gordon's getting on a bus to go try out for professional hockey. And the minors is professional. Whether or not you make it to the NHL doesn't matter, but the guys that play minor league hockey are really good. And Gordon hasn't played hockey since he was twelve. Oh, so sweet. Is he delusional? Maybe. And we we find out in, in D two he makes it to the minors and he's very good. But how realistic is you haven't played hockey? And how old do you think Gordon is? About thirty. Okay. So he hasn't played hockey, and we'll we'll just call it twenty years. We'll call it eighteen years. Yeah. But he's good enough to play professionally. Wow. So how good was this kid? Like, he was good. Coach Riley was right. On like, fire. He was good. 
It's just, uh, <laughs> it's absurd. And no one really questions it. Mm-hmm. No one's like, come on, coach. Like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> this is this is the direction? You're a hotshot lawyer. You were so good. I'm sure you get a job with another firm. This is the direction you want to take your yeah. life in? Give it all up for a, a, a kid's dream? I mean, kids playing minor league hockey or, you know, out of college. Right. So uh, what's that? 22, 23. Yeah. You know, and, and then the real hot shots, you know, make it to the NHL a little bit younger than that. So to be 30 years old and, and going out there is, ugh. I mean, I think he says, oh, I'm a little crazy for doing this. And it's like, yes, a lot crazy. Yes. Y- you're, you got the thing going with Charlie's mom. You obviously aren't that serious about, it, I guess. Right. Well, and you know, it it makes you wonder why couldn't it have just been, well, I've got my first day at my new job as a public defender. Right. That would have been more realistic and would have helped the story just as much. I don't think it would have detracted from it, but you know. Yeah, or him signing a contract with this uh, peewee hockey league to be, you know, of an official full-time coach or something something like that. Uh, Because it feels like he's abandoning the team, even though he says, you know, stay sharp. We got a title to defend. It's like, you're going away. Yeah. How, how are you going to defend this title? It's just, it's just a little bit off. Maybe I'm missing something, but I well, let, let's, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I'm with you on that one. So give me the rundown. How successful was this movie? Oh, I didn't even look up the numbers because for me, it's, it's just yeah. a favorite. You yeah. know, I, sometimes. Obviously, it was successful enough to span, what, two additional movies? Yeah. And there, Plus a hockey team. Oh, that's a whole nother subject. Yeah. yeah. The, the the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. And then just the Anaheim Ducks. Because they were the Mighty Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, I think, is what they, they were. started off as. Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine it, it was uh, very successful. I, I didn't pull up the numbers. This movie, when, you, when you're a kid and you're watching stuff and absorbing mm-hmm. it, it's just the numbers don't matter. They still don't matter to me. No, but the, well, we yeah. We got two sequels, the professional team. The cartoon. Uh, that's because Disney uh, had part ownership of the team. Yeah. Maybe four. I, I don't remember how, mm. how that all went down. And now they're, I believe it's being rebooted. And I think Charlie is going to be coaching a team on the Disney Plus. Oh. Uh, I think they're doing it. I read something a while ago that they were rebooting it for that. Well, that could go many, many ways. Yeah. That's a topic for another day. Wes, we got to <laughs> talk about D2 uh, relatively soon because I'm all. I'm ready to hit the ice. You know, I'm ready for the flying V. We didn't even talk about the flying V or the triple deke. And there's so much in this movie that we just kind of let go. Yeah. It's, it's, I, that, I, I think I'd have to watch it a couple more times to pull everything out of it. It was so rich in its, <laughs> in its uh, references. Excellent. Even the uh, the limo driver was he is a roadie with the Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah. I remember when he said Grand Funk Railroad, I was like, what did he say? <laughs> what did he say? What is that? Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> that was a reference for the, the, the parents at that right. time. Yeah. Well, you can tell in, in all these, these uh, 90s Disney movies, there's, you know, little, little drops of like pop culture for, sure. for the grownups that are there with their kids. Oh, yeah. Those poor, poor grownups. Yeah. Because as a kid, it was just over my head. I was like, I don't know what that means. It sounds inappropriate, though. Yeah. It, it would, wouldn't it? Grand yeah. Funk Railroad. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of iffy phrasing in that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely understand. But yeah, I think we'll probably have to leave it there. We might we might have to come back and, and 
maybe touch on some of the things we missed when we when we do D two inevitably. Um, I I love this movie. I'm really happy that you got a chance to to watch it. I didn't know it was the first time. Very first you. time. I did. I I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Like I said, um, sports movies always leave me feeling good at the end. So for that, I appreciated it. Yeah. Well, the team always wins, right? The yeah. you. It's like a superhero movie going in. You know your team's going to win. Unless it was a a, a movie made by the French. Because the French would have made the ducks, you know, somebody would have died on the ice and it would have been a duck and they would have never played. You know, it's something melodramatic right. and horrible. So the next day you wake up feeling horrible for having watched it. That's how the French would have done this film. Probably. And that but is why it was done by Americans. French cinema podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could take that. I watched some French movies when I was at the Academy of Art. Oh, uh-huh, of course you did. I bet you did. Not, not pleasant. No. It's just like, this is supposed to be good. I, I don't get it. But maybe I just, I'm not that sharp. I don't know. Well, let's not get into that. <laughs> well, Wes, I, I think that's that's a wrap on, on episode one. Sounds Thank good. You. Thanks, everyone, for, for joining us on this journey. Yeah. I'm having a blast so far. Yeah, it is kind of fun, isn't it? it it's as I said, the world's on fire and we're sitting here talking about mighty ducks. It's actually, you know what, before we wrap up, it is actually refreshing to be able to talk about something else. And, and, and I hope that if you happen to meander to this uh, podcast, that you've enjoyed talking or listening to people talk about something else other than the world on fire. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning, tuning in and we will, uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Hindsight, a nostalgia podcast is a product of forgotten man media and is sponsored in part by 461 Veteran Clothing Company. If you would like to support our show, please consider subscribing and leaving a nice review on the podcast service of your preference. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.